Okay, welcome back, Lights Out fans, podcast members, everybody. Um, just so you know, coming up uh, August 20th, I believe, yeah, 20th, BKFC 20, Mississippi, Biloxi, watch it, get the app. Uh, I'm going to be there doing some fight commentary. I'll be talking about fights. But right now, we're going to talk some real fighters. We're going to talk to an old school guy, a guy I love getting bare knuckle, a um, guy who's uh, one of the epitomes of what I think, uh, an old school tough guy, and you even know this by his nickname, the dentist, Josh Near. Miguel, what do you know about Josh? Well, you know, I know I couldn't stop watching him fight. You know, I mean, it was every time he gets in the ring, you know, it makes it watch the must watch UFC in my book back, you know, back in the day. They're, we're trying to get a bunch of guys like that here on the interviews. I'm very happy to get Josh Near because Josh is a guy who doesn't like to do interviews. And I'm going to yeah. hand it off to the MMA detective to tell the story about uh, Josh gave us some pre prerequisites to do this interview. And I think it was a good time. So I, I've had notes on Josh for a long time. Like when he was in the indie scene, he was just kind of cleaning up. And that's just when I kind of started tracking him. And Josh refused to do this interview unless Chris was involved. I think money. <laughs> I think he saw us like the Travis View uh, interview, and he's like, "Yeah, yeah, it was good, but I'm not doing it. I'm not, I'm not doing it unless Chris is there." And we had to delay it a couple times because my of Chris's fault. schedule. Well, I, I think I think more than anything, he just wants to have like somebody who can relate to and understand. Like, yeah, man, I mean, I know what he's. I, I he wants somebody who understands what he's talking about, and you know, if you don't get it, he knows I'll get it. So I think that's why he wants somebody who he can bounce stuff off. Of, you know what I mean? So I'm glad he's doing this, man. Thank you for. Have make sure I'm involved, Josh. That's awesome. Yeah. Mike, so, Mike, did, did you know Josh before you met him? Because I, I, never I met him. I met him I've once. met him, but I wasn't like in his inner circle or anything like that. We wouldn't train together or anything, but I've met him before. I well, saw right. Lytle's aboard at least. Yeah, I saw him fight in Minnesota in the extreme cage combat with Jeff Paul. His his event, him and Nick Gamst. I saw him fight there actually maybe maybe twice. I think I've seen him fight there. But um in essence, it was he's got that same Mike Perry style of attitude where he's not going to respect you unless he knows you've done what he has done himself. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, that, that's how we got Josh and he, he does not do interviews this. He's probably not going to do many more after this. So it's, it's, it's a good get on our end. Um, September 18th. I'm in Tampa, Florida. Go to smooth comp. If you're a jujitsu guy, register for a grappling tournament. Um, I wasn't, if you listen to our other episodes, Please ignore that I was at the Olympiad in October because I was not supposed to announce it then. But now I can <laughs> announce it. So now I'm at the Olympiad uh, October 10th. But that other stuff, please, please discard. So October 10th, Orlando, Florida, Olympiad, another jiu-jitsu tournament. Florida, two months in a row. Please stop by, say hello. I'm done, Chris. I've got my points. All right. <laughs> I, with that, with, oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Miguel. A declaration of independence. We uh, are getting some photo help here, sharpening up the delivery from our buddy Keith Mills, author of a historic MMA book. So get out to yahoo.com, uh, amazon.com, wherever, and pick up a declaration of independence by Keith Mills. I, I might hopefully, even be in that book, hopefully. I don't know. We, we both are, Chris. We both are. And uh, But <laughs> without further ado, Josh Neer.
All right, everybody. Real happy to be here right now. Uh, another really tough Midwestern guy. Another one of the guys. You know, I like it, the old school guys who I can brag about. And I always talk about, you know, uh, being hard-nosed and tough. And this is definitely one of the people whose name pops up in my head all the time. Got a great nickname, even the dentist. What's happening, Josh? How you been, brother? Good. How are you guys? Uh, couldn't be better, man. Just enjoying life right now. So, um, you know, Back in the day, in my opinion, I think the best gym in the world, the best fires in the world were coming from where you guys were out of. In Iowa, you know, Militant team, all that. Um, legendary sparring. Give us some insight on those. How tough was that room? How What was it like going in there day in and day out? Oh, man, it was tough. So I originally started in Des Moines, and then I moved to Militage about um, three years into after I start fighting but um yeah I just need like when I started I didn't really I had like tough guys but I wasn't really like getting coached you know like I wasn't really learning so much so uh I fought Spencer Fisher and then uh after that you know like they were like yeah you should come out and train with us and so then that's when I moved over there but yeah I mean I remember the first day the first time I went and just to check it out and me and my friend came and uh i just i remember like tony Fricklin was warming up and robbie lawler was there uh <laughs> pat militage of course and uh so it went in there and then i got stuck with like i got stuck with uh tony Fricklin and um and pat militage was in my group I think maybe Matt Hughes a few times, but man, like Tony Fricklin was a beast, dude. He just like, he just kicked the shit out of my legs and Pat was kicking my legs. And uh, it was just, it was a memorable experience. I remember. And like, so basically we got our ass beat. And then we were there for a week though. So I was like, my friend, I was like, Hey bro, I don't like, I was like, I, I liked it because I'm like, I wasn't used to getting, I was like, you know, the big dog. So yeah, I was like, man, after I went there for the first time, just got whooped on. I was like, that's where I need to be. And uh, yeah, it was crazy. I just remember my friend after sparring, I don't know what group he was in, but it was a bunch of killers too. And uh, <laughs> his whole leg was just black and blue all the way up. His leg was just black and blue. And he's like, Dude, you can go back tomorrow, but I'm not. I'm not gonna be able to go. I can't even walk. And I was like, kind. Of, I my leg wasn't as bad as his, but I was beat up. But I was like, I'm going back the whole week. And uh, you know, so that just kind of explains like when you first go there, it's like an initiation. You know, like almost like a gang. You know, they're gonna beat your ass, and either you're gonna fucking either you're gonna sink or you're gonna swim. So. I, you know, I, I loved it. And, uh, that's, you know, it was the start of it. And then I eventually moved out there. See, when you got there and I, Chris went right into it, which I'm going to hand it off to Mike, but when you got there, uh, was like Militich and like Hughes and Jens Paul, they were already champions. They were already like legends or, you know, like people you yeah. knew already and watched. So that's got to pump you up too. That's got to make you feel like, talk about how it was meeting those Big yeah. names. 
I mean, at the time we had Jens Pulver, who wasn't a champ because I don't know. UFC might have got rid of the 55 division at the time. And then we had Matt Hughes, who was the champ. Uh, oh. Rich, Rich Franklin came out and did his camps with us. And then we had uh, uh, Tim Sylvia was the heavyweight champ, too. So, I mean, dude, it was a bunch yeah. of killers. And, and, and light heavyweight, all of them. <laughs> yeah, and light heavyweight where they didn't have a champ, they only had Jeremy Horn. So you know, what I mean, it's yeah, like, <laughs> I yeah, actually, right, right when I got there, Jeremy Horn just left like a month, a month before I got there. So I kind of missed out on on training with him. But you know, everyone that was there, you know, all you know, said good things about Jeremy. How long did it take before you were accepted by them? Um. It it was a it was a while, you know. It was probably you know two or three months at first, you know. Everyone was kind of mean to me, or what? They weren't really mean to me. They were just seeing if I'm gonna stick around because at the time, like, there were so many guys that would just come and then leave, you know, because it's like oh they couldn't they just couldn't take the practice. So you know, <laughs> I didn't I didn't really take it personal. I I just kind of knew how it was because. I was in sports and stuff, so I was like, yeah, I'm going to have to earn my way, earn my respect a little bit before, you know, everyone's going to be cool to me. But, you know, originally uh, the one guy, I mean, Spencer Fisher, obviously, he was cool because we fought right before then. But uh, um, Tim Sylvia, like, kind of like he was the one that, like, always, like, took me under his wing and, you know, would, like, you know, say positive things to me. And he was uh, really instrumental in me uh, being there. He was kind of like the team captain. That's cool. And, yeah, Tim was the man, man. He, like, worked harder than – he was, like, the hardest working guy in the room. So Really? Yeah, Tim Sylvia, man, he was, like – like, he was just training all day long. Like, I mean, everyone kind of knows Tim. He's, like, he's not very athletic. <laughs> For sure. I mean – so that's why I have so much respect for him. I'm kind of the same way. I'm not like told, I'm not gifted. I can't do all the flying stuff and all the, you know, like it doesn't come to me naturally. So, you know, I really looked up to Tim a lot because he was, uh, Pat used to say he couldn't walk in two bubble gum at the same time. So, you know, mm-hmm. that kind of explains how, uh, how uh, talented uh, Tim was and to be the heavyweight champion, you know. It's a lot of hard work that went into that. Absolutely. He he fought in a Super Brawl tournament that may have been the greatest heavyweight tournament on United States soil. And his performance in that tournament was just, it was incredible. I think it was a Super Brawl 24, 25. I, I don't have the exact number. But he like, like you said, he whatever he was given, he worked so much harder to, to get where he was at and you can see it. Yeah, I respect him too. Well, I agree. One, of the, one of the other uh, guys that they had there that I like to ask about, maybe maybe he was gone by the time you were there, but they had another heavyweight named Mark Hansen. Like, uh, I guess yeah. he he would be the guy who'd pile up uh, with Tim. You know, Tim needs a partner. Yeah. How, how was Mark? Because uh, Mark's like one of those guys that he can move like Brock Lesnar, if I remember correctly. Yeah, Mark, uh, you know, like I was smaller, so I didn't really train with him a lot. But, yeah, he was always going with Tim, and they were they were just having battles, you know. It was uh, – he was one of the guys that definitely pushed him and helped him, you know, make it to the top. 
Man. Now, you know, I know it seems like at most gyms you'll have you have the guys you call the gym fighters, guys who you go there like, man, this guy's awesome. I mean, even wrestling or fighting, whatever, who are just dominating in the room, but can't translate that over to a fight. Do you guys have any guys like that you can think of who are like, man, this guy's ultra talented, but never could really put together in a cage? Can you think of anybody like that there? Or they, they told them to get out. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, there's a few guys, but I mean, they, uh, I mean, he was definitely everyone like, knew that he was super talented and he did, you know, make it to a pretty high level. He might've even won IFL. If you, if you remember Ryan McGivern, but Oh yeah, he was yeah. a beast in the room and uh, like Hard if worker. he could do what he was in, in the room, like he, he would be like UFC champion, but wow, he never, he never fought in UFC, but I mean, he, uh, he did some good things in IFL. I don't, I don't know if he was IFL champion. I'm pretty sure he was, but he never got he never got a fight in the UFC. And then Jason Black, man, he was yeah. Jason Black was the man, and like he got into UFC after he's after he's passed his prime, yeah. and he ended up cutting too much weight. He went down to 155, and he was just all sucked down. He, I mean, he was a, he was a 170 pounder. I, I think going down to 55 kind of hurt him. Yeah, he had heard, the, I had heard that you and Rory Markham used to have some legendary Yeah, Rory Markham. Rory Markham was, dude, he was a beast. Yeah. I mean, fellow Southsider, Chris. He, he had some good fights in uh, UFC and IFL and stuff, too. He, he, he's, he was definitely tough, one of the toughest. He's fun to watch. Definitely yeah. fun to watch. What, was yeah. there, so, there was a wrestler guy named Steve Rusk. Am I, am I getting yeah, the name Steve right? Steve so he's another he's like, one of those gym guys, right? Yeah, he's kind of like Mark Hansen, you know. Like when I was there, he didn't fight or anything, but uh, you know, I I just heard stories about him and you know, seen him going with Tim and stuff. If you guys remember Corey Hill from the um, Ultimate Fighter, oh know? yeah, oh man, dude, that guy, that guy, like literally, I tell people like the best guy that I've ever went with in the room is probably Corey Hill. He's got like a, I think he's got less than a 500 record too. So, oh, really? So, well, here's he, the thing about Corey Hill. He lied to get on the Ultimate Fighter. Yeah, he didn't have any fights. He said it? that he did. I don't think he had any fights or something. He said he was like 5 and 0, oh, and then he, somehow he got on. But, because, uh, you know, I'm friends with Nate Diaz, and I was like, dude, I can't, like, I can't, because I think that actually Nate, Fought, oh, I think he fought Corey in the semis. Yeah. But I was like, dude. And Nate, Nate like, kind of said the same thing. He's like, dude, that guy was a fucking beast in the room. And, uh, yeah, I mean, he he was he was super good. He, he passed away, though, man. It was, it was sad. Uh, yeah. Damn. I don't remember how he passed away. It was like a brain aneurysm or something. But, yeah, he yeah, was strange. I became pretty close to him when he was uh, training with us because, like, no one ever wanted to go with him. And then I was the guy – like, I'm the I'm the type of guy that I always go with anyone. I don't, I don't care if, how big they are or whatever. So they'd be – he'd be like, I need a partner, and no one would want to go with him because he was <laughs> – he was crazy athletic. I mean, and he's like six – he's like six foot six, 155 yeah. pounds, so – no one would, <laughs> no one would ever train with them, and, and I'd be like, "I'll go with you, get over here." So it would always be me and Corey 
scrapping. Corey basically beating me up the whole time, but me staying in there. Yeah, he's uh, he's one of those people where he's a, a, a kind of like a hidden footnote, but anybody that knows him is just like, we had Rob Kahn on one of our first interviews, and he's just like, he's never seen anybody gifted like Corey Hill. He's, he, that actually came out of his mouth yeah. in, in our interview. So let me just kind of get this started because we've got some, I, I got a lot of notes on Josh. So Josh, we're going to take you through your UFC career. We usually do the independent scene pre-UFC. Got a couple people that had requested that we interview you, and they specifically said, the guy fought both Diaz brothers. There's got to be gold there. And they're emailing me going, that's the interview that they wanted to hear, which culminates in us being here now. And as a <laughs> side note, Josh said that he would not do this interview with Miguel and I unless Chris was here. So. He's a smart guy, man. He don't want. I mean, yeah. let's come there on. Be honest. Hey, yeah, why waste? Gotta, why waste your time? <laughs> yeah, I gotta have a fighter on here. I don't like. I don't ever even do these. So you don't. Like, no, I, I really appreciate, appreciate you doing this, man. It's cool, yeah. dude. I mean, I like I said, like, everybody, I everybody, I know respect. What's that? I I literally don't ever do these, but like you, you know, I always looked up to you, so I was like, yeah, you know, if a good fight. <laughs> If a good old school fighter invites me, I'll, I'll do it every time. But I appreciate that, man. Man, like no I said, uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's I'm all right with that. Yeah, I'm more, I'm more than fine with it. And I was telling Miguel and Chris, he does he doesn't do these at all. So it's it's a good one. Which I'm glad you know we're doing your UFC career. But let's encapsulate the indie grind. So Josh had roughly about a hundred amateur fights. That includes a win over Houston Alexander. In he's the not, he's pro- huge. Exactly. That's how fucking nuts Josh is. Yeah. So <laughs> you're what? You were what? I was drunk. <laughs> I was drunk when we fought. Was okay. that one of those? Was that one of those where you just showed up there and they were like, and they're like, yeah, I'll fight. You weren't even supposed to fight. Was that one of those? Yeah, it was kind of like I got into a I got into an argument with Chad Mason, who was the promoter. And I was drunk. I had a keg at my house that ah. that night. And so I came to the fights not even planning on fighting. But we got into an argument about something. He was like, I'll have Houston beat your ass. And I was like, all right, well, let's fight then. You know, I was drunk. <laughs> I don't care. I'm ready to fight. And I was like, okay. you got to pay me, though. And uh, so he's like, oh, I'll pay you. He's like, I'll give you 500 bucks if you fight him. And uh, so that's how that's how I ended up fighting him. He gave me five hundred okay. bucks. All right, this, let's do it. <laughs> this is why we love the indie scene. So yeah. fast forward through his pro career, on the indie grind, Josh goes twelve one one. He's one losses against Spencer Fisher, future teammate, and you can see based on you know the cornering you of him and himself of, of you, there was a bond there that happened that night. And you also had a draw against an incredibly hot at the time, Joe Jordan. Joe yeah. Jordan, when Josh fought him, um, Josh said he was always kind of with Chad Mason's uh, shows. It was more of kind of like lower end shows because of, of where Josh lived. And Joe Jordan was tearing up the indie scene and he was legit. And us people in the know are going, well, we're about to find the truth out about Josh Neer. And they said it was yeah. a legendary war between the two of you. And I also heard you may have got gypped on that uh, on that decision. Yeah. Uh, 
Oh, yeah, I, I mean, I definitely thought I won, but it's all good. <laughs> so he so, goes no, real, real quick, one. real quick before before you go on, Jazz, can you give us a little bit of your background? Did you wrestler, taekwondo, boxing? What was just give everybody a little bit of background for you real quick? Just sorry, Mike. basically wrestling. My my dad was a huge uh, Mike Tyson fan, so like I I you know I grew up watching Mike Tyson and stuff, and we would have boxing gloves and like just box but it's not like we we're trained or anything yeah and uh you know as a high school wrestler i got fourth uh in the state high school meet my senior iowa. year yeah in iowa <sighs> and then uh and then i did wrestle a year in college uh should have should have made it to nationals but i didn't so Damn. um that's all that really basically i was a wrestler Okay. Let me let me ask you. How about how about in Iowa? I think I know the answer. But how about street fights? Did you did you dabble? Yeah, I, I got in a few street fights. Uh, okay. <laughs> Any legendary ones you want to tell us about, or nothing nothing big? Not really that I can think of. I mean, b- back when we were fighting, we got into some crazy crazy uh crazy big brawls and stuff. But I mean. <laughs> I better not say those. I don't want any any uh, <laughs> for my arrest or anything. Yeah, you, you uh, don't want to run any of them back. That's your yeah. limitations. I think you're good, unless somebody died. All right. Yeah, so, Josh goes on a ten fight win streak on the independent oh. circuit, and he finally gets the call up to the UFC at UFC Fight Night, the first one, and it was August six, two thousand five, and they put him up against a guy that. He's his reputation outside of the cage is so incredibly reckless that everybody's got a story about him, and that's Drew Fickett. Why don't you tell us how that fight came about and um, your thoughts going into it were? Yeah, I mean, basically, uh, I I beat like a lot of good guys around the Midwest. There wasn't really many good. There wasn't really many uh, good guys left for me to beat besides going to the UFC, and uh, so I got I got called up to the UFC. You know, uh, I went into the fight. It's kind of crazy. I haven't even ever told this story, but um, when I went, when I uh, you go, you know, you go out on Tuesday, and then the fight is on Saturday or whatever the fight was. You get there like five days before. And somehow I got a staph infection in my elbow. Uh, and uh, I, I think it was from the UFC mats. I mean, it had to be. But it, it was actually the first time that I ever got a staph infection. So I didn't know what it was. And I just remember my, my arm was starting to swell up. And I was trying to squeeze it out. And I was like, dude, what the hell is all this all this pus, you know? And I kept trying to squeeze it out. And then I was like, I, I didn't know what it was. And then we finally went to the doctor um, after weigh-ins, actually. And I got my I got medication. So I should never have even fought because my arm was literally like the size of a softball on at my elbow. And uh, you know, I mean that's not an excuse, but it's like, man, by the time that I got to the fight, I just wanted to get the fight over with and be and just be done it, it uh i i went in there it's kind of weird you know i got i got like the first first ufc fight jitters and it was almost like a dream when i was walking out it was like 
I wasn't even there. And, uh, you know, it was, it was super fast. Somehow he took my back. He just choked me out quick. And, uh, that was it. <laughs> so going into this fight, you've got Josh near 13, one and one, and then you got Drew Fickett, who's 26 and three. And, it's Drew's second UFC appearance. His first one was a loss against future opponent, Nick Diaz. Yeah. Drew and yourself, did you guys have any pre-fight issues? Yeah, but I don't even remember. Like, it was just like, you know, back when they had the underground, I guess they still do have the underground, <laughs> but people used to, you know, go and bicker and fight like little kids and stuff on the <laughs> underground. And so I, I, I don't even remember, like, we were just probably bickering on the underground or something, but I, I don't have any beef with him or anything now. It was just like, I, it was competition. Okay. Yeah, he, he's got a reputation for doing, doing a little drinking, even on fight week. And yeah. stuff. Did, did you, did you run into him or did, was yeah, it a mess? I think actually, um, like the night of the night of weigh-ins or something, he somehow he got he got my phone number and like <laughs> was like I'm gonna beat your ass or something and then hung, and then hung up the phone and I was like, well, what the hell is that? Whatever. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it was so long ago. Oh, shit, I can't even hardly remember. But, so yeah. after it's the battle, because my my boy Jeremy Stevens uh, hit me up about like six months ago and he was like hey i finally got revenge for you and i was like what and he was like drew fickett came in to alliance today and i beat him up and i was like oh man and he's like no i'm just joking i was cool with it he he was cool so yeah yeah so after the bout um drew had some words and uh had some theatrics afterward so you lose your first fight, and Steve Mazzagatti was the referee, and you rode out on your shield. Like, As there's you certain fighters that they kind of do the same thing over and over again, and you watch two or three of their fights, and you're just like, all right, great fighter, but not, not so much on the entertaining side. Josh, I, I've watched probably about 16, 17 of your fights. Every single one is just an absolute barn burner. And it shocks me that you've only got two fight of the night bonuses. Like I, I yeah. every single one is just, it's, it's incredible. So Steve Mazzagatti has to be told by Drew Fickett that there's issues. He should check on a guy of which obviously he wrote on in your shield. Um, you get cut after that fight. You go back yeah. to the independent scene you go two and one, and you get a win over Force Pets and Alex Carter, and then you sign back with the UFC again. Yeah, I actually took the fight on a week's notice. I actually was uh, helping Spencer Fisher because he had a fight, and then they called me the week before, and uh, whoever was supposed to fight Melvin Gilliard dropped out. They got hurt, or I don't know. They didn't make it to the fight. So, like, hey, will you uh, – <laughs> will you fight Melvin Gilliard? And I was like, well, I'm already going there as, as uh, Spencer's corner. I'm already training. So yeah, sure. Can you guys reimburse me for the flight that I bought? And uh, so they're like, yeah, we'll reimburse you for the flight. And uh, yeah, that's how I took that fight. 
Did, so, you, did you did you did you still corner Spencer? Did you do both the two for one deal? No, no, I didn't. <laughs> I didn't corner Spencer. So he fights Melvin Gillard. They're both twenty-two years old, and you're looking at two twenty-two-year-olds, obviously. And yeah. Josh's record at the time is fifteen, three, and one. Incredibly, like respectful. Melvin Gillard's is thirty-seven, five, and three. Yeah, a lot of fights, man. But mine, mine really probably should have been about that too, because a lot of my amateur fights were really pro fights, but they're not on my record as pro fights because, you know, in Iowa, uh, we didn't even have a sanctioning body till I, I don't even know when, like two thousand eight or something. Yeah. But I fought uh, probably well, not it wouldn't be Melvin's record, but I have probably 10 pro fights as an amateur you know houston's one of them right i'm the same way i got like 10 fight probably 10 to 15 wins that they don't have on my record because they went back through in the like indiana or or wherever i was fighting they weren't they have sanctioning bodies so they just took them all away so i don't care whatever man but well i do remember this better huh what did it make your record look better? Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. The, yeah. the old wins, man. They didn't take away any losses. Bullshit. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, <laughs> man, I remember once I had this guy I used to train with, and um, he hits me up. He, I'm, I'm like, my, I'm someplace. He's like, hey man, can I borrow a pair of shorts, fight shorts? I'm like, yeah, why? And he's like, man, I got a fight. I'm like, you ain't been training. He's like, I know. I'm like, who you fighting? Josh Neer. I was like, oh shit, man. You know, he did. His name was Todd Kaiser. I think he went up there. Didn't even last a couple minutes. He beat his ass really quick, man. I was like, oh, "Ain't the right guy to fight on last minute notice, man. What are you doing? He's like, I know. I just want to fight. I was like, all right, man, keep the shorts. But it was, yeah, you beat his ass really quick. <laughs> was like, bad so, idea, man. Don't don't take that fight on last minute notice. He did, but whatever. Yeah. Well, Melvin is like, at this point, he, he was like my first introduction to like a cartoon character. So he's running around with Snoopy. Um, slippers on, you know, he's kind of ostentatious in the way he dresses. And that first round, man, dude, you took on some hellacious ground and pound. Like you absorbed so much of Melvin's power. And, yeah. you know, Josh, one of your trademarks is always bleeding in a fight at some point yeah. or another. And you get a nasty gash over your eye where the doctor comes in and, you know, they clear you to fight. And at which point, um, you land a triangle in the second round. Oh, first round. First, first round. Yeah. First round. First round. End of the first, yeah. And if you guys know Melvin, he doesn't handle losses very well. And on this one, I shook his hand. I stood here. I let you raise his hand. I don't really accept this, but I, you know, I do, but I don't. But I want that rematch. And that's kind of a reoccurring theme in your UFC yeah. career, too. Every time you got to win. The person would be like, well, I'm not real happy with this. I want another shot. Yeah. I have a question. At this point, do you already have the nickname, the Dennis, and how did, how did that come about? Yeah, I already had it. I got it as an amateur. Um, so, you know, uh, the fights at Toad Hauler, you could fight every week. And uh, I, I did this fight, and um, I knocked this guy's teeth out. Oh. And uh, – yeah, and then the next – so I knocked his teeth out, and then the next week I knocked another guy's teeth out. And so the <laughs> ring announcer is like, dude, you're always knocking people's teeth out. I'm going to start calling you the dentist. 
And I was like, okay, I, I didn't really like it. I was like, all right. And then and then he just started announcing me, the dentist, Josh Near. And then it just kind of stuck. And then people, you know, everyone else started calling me it. And I'm like, all right, whatever, it's cool. Because I don't like when people give themselves their own nickname. So I'm like, all right, cool. Like someone gave me my nickname. So we're cool. with. I'm cool with that. Yeah, I'm yeah, a firm believer. You can't give yourself a nickname, man. We make fun of people who try to do that shit. So, yeah, someone's got to give it to you. And a lot of times, like, it ain't good, but a lot I, of times I, it is. But I like to do this. I think it's great. I, I got one for you. You remember the Red King? Come on. That's one he made up for himself. That's embarrassing. Who was yeah. that? That's Rory. Uh, yeah, Rory McDonald. Rory McDonald, the Red King. Come on. What the hell is the Red King? What the hell is the Red King, dude? Yeah. <laughs> so that was fight of the night. That was that was the first, first real like, example, just a little taste of what Josh Nair brings to the cage. You're Okay, so now the Ultimate Fighter. It's huge infomercial for the UFC. And Joe Stevenson wins it and he's got a lot of momentum behind him and they put him up against josh and josh's third ufc fight josh why don't you explain what takes place during that bout yeah i mean uh the first round um i don't remember i mean i remember i i felt like i won all three rounds but at some point he had me in a knee bar where it hurt but like i don't like to tap out so i'm not gonna tap out to uh a knee bar you know so um i somehow i survived that and then uh i pretty much i felt like i dominated the fight it it wasn't really that competitive in my opinion it was embarrassing it was embarrassing for the ufc because they were just springboarding up how popular tough one was (laughs) And they really miscalculated um, in regards to the opponent for the new poster boy of the UFC. And um, at the end of the fight, which Josh obviously won by decision, you mentioned that you wanted to move down to 155. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what kind of sucks about that fight, too, is like after I beat him, then he went on a run. He won like four or five fights and he got a title shot against BJ Penn. And uh, and um, so I want to move down at, to 55-2 after I beat him, and the UFC wouldn't love me. They said, "Well, there's they- already there's already uh, Spencer and Jens Pulver at 55. If you move down, then you're gonna have to fight your teammates." And uh, you know, I wasn't gonna fight my teammates, so I was like, "Well, I guess I'll stay at 170." But I wanted to go down to 55. It it kind of you know, it sucked for me because, like, after I beat him is when Joe Stevenson went on his run and then ended up getting the title shot. And, uh, you know, I had to continue to fight at 170. So Matt Hughes was one of the coaches on Tough 2, and I think he was Joe's coach on that season. Did that help in the preparation for that fight? Um, n- not really. I mean... Was, was he Matt's coach? I, I know he was at tough too. I thought he was on the other team. You know, he may I have been think, on the other team. I yeah. think so. And he kind no, of I thought he was on Matt's team, wasn't he? Oh, he was? I'm not I sure. Thought, so I, I just remember him, like, kind of talking crap about Matt, though, too. And then I was like, man, I don't like this guy. 
and I don't like Mark. <laughs> I don't like Mark Lehman either, and that was his coach. Remember Mark Lehman? Yeah, yeah. I don't like that guy either. So I was like, yeah, I want that fight. Yeah. So Lehman was in his corner. What was the issue between it, you and Mark? Uh, I don't. I don't never even met that guy, but uh, it's kind of funny because uh, Jake Ellenberger. Do you remember on the ultimate the on on the ultimate fighter when um when Matt Sarah like punked Mark Lehman? That's that's literally my favorite. Oh, yeah. That's Chris, you were on that season, right? I was the I was there when that happened, dude. I was there. Nobody liked Mark on our nobody liked Mark. He was a yeah. prick. And when Matt went off yeah. on we, we talked about That's that forever. I was like the biggest fan of Matt Sarah. I'm like, Matt Sarah's the man. Cause it's like Dude, yeah. you're, you don't even fight, and you're sitting over here talking yeah. crap about Hoist Gracie, dude. And it's yeah. funny because it's like he, he thought he was just going to get away with it, and then, like, Matt was, like, you know, just totally punked him. And he was like, well, uh, can I have an opinion? And just I'm like, man, I, I, I hate people like that. It's like, dude, if you don't that's, fight, then shut your mouth. You're, that's, you're, that's what Matt you're said. He's like, expert. no, you can't have an opinion unless you're going to step out there. Shut the hell up. That was great, dude. Yeah. I that loved was, it. Like, that's literally my favorite favorite episode of The Ultimate Fighter to this day. <laughs> I, I, I love I, that. I, just, like that. I wasn't even I wasn't even a fan of Matt Sarah until then. And then I was like his biggest fan. I'm like, Matt <laughs> Sarah's the man. <laughs> Man, Matt's cool as hell. If you hung out with him for 10 minutes, you'd be like, I love this guy, man. If he, yeah, he's, yeah. he's a fun, yeah, he's real cool. I, I met him after after that and stuff. And yeah, he's he was always cool whenever I seen him. Yeah. Joe, just to clean it up, I checked that Joe Stevenson was on Team Hughes. He was oh, on he Team was, Hughes. Man. Yep. And uh yeah, Layman is one of those guys that jujitsu black belt. Uh he actually won an Abu Dhabi trial, went to Abu Dhabi and stuff. But he became like he didn't do MMA, so there is that yeah. controversy, and there's some people that, you know, that hold that against him. I guess <laughs> just like the just like the guys now, and that's what I like about like Gordon Ryan. Like he he, you know, I don't know, maybe he does, but I don't ever see him like giving his opinions and like just like you know downgrading you know this and that fighter it's like dude if you don't if you don't get punched in the face you never got punched in the face just keep your opinion to yourself because i don't want to keeps it to the mat or yeah he keeps it yeah gordon ryan keeps it to the mat so yeah look at like the trajectory of the opponents that they're feeding josh all right so drew fickett i think he took second uh, in arizona in high school for wrestling Melvin Gillard absolutely is a state champion for, uh, for, for New Orleans. Um, Joe Stevenson, I think, either took first or second in the state of California for wrestling in high school. And then they feed him Utah State wrestling champion Josh Berkman. So it's <laughs> like they're, they're, they keep sending these real high-end wrestlers at you. Uh, was, that a, was that a hard fight in your head going into this bout, or what did you think was going to happen? Yeah, I mean, my problem is I do good with guys that are, like, technical and guys that, like, you know, fight the way that, like, you should fight, I guess. I don't really know how to explain it, but Josh Berkman was just, like, wild. He just made stuff up, you know, and I struggle with those guys because it's, like, those guys, you know, like, they can – 
you don't know what they're going to throw. He just kind of just runs for and throws all hard. It's like, so I, I just kind of struggle with, you know, guys that aren't that technical. Uh, so, but I remember it was a good fight. I remember I, I thought I won that fight. I went back and watched it and then I was like, yeah, he probably did win. Cause I think, I think I, I thought I was winning the first round or something. And then I was like, dude, I, I won. I, I thought I won the second round. But then I was like, how did I lose that fight? And then I'm like, they're like, well, you got dropped the first round. And I don't, I didn't, I didn't remember that I got dropped, but it was like, it was just a flash drop, you know, like he, he just spazzed out and hit me with something hard. And I, I went down to my knee and then I, you know, I got right back up, but you know, so, I mean, you can't really win a round when you, uh, when you get dropped. Right, so, so Josh, what do you do for cardio at this point in your career? I've always did a lot of running and uh, I, I hate weightlifting. So, uh, I mean, I, I have lifted weights and stuff and then basically just train, just, you know, do jujitsu, wrestling, boxing, you know, that's my cardio and running. Josh is a real pressure, heavy, heavy style. Oh, yeah. And Berkman catches him in the first couple of exchanges where Josh has to recover and scramble. But even in his recovering during the fight, he keeps that pressure on. And by the end of the first round, and, and Josh near ate several, like, fastballs. I mean, this Berkman was throwing home run punches and landing, and Josh just kept putting the pressure on him. And by the end of the first round, you, you saw Berkman just, oh, my God. Like, he's like, whoa, this guy's not going away. And you saw him struggling in order to keep up the cardio. And in between first and second round and second and third round, Pat Militich is just like losing his mind, begging you to keep stepping up the pace because Berkman was bending. And in that second round, you won. And in the third round, I, I think it was just round, a positioning. I think I, got, I think I got taken down. No, I never and got he held it. Yeah, we went to a decision, but uh, I, think he, I think he just kind of took me down and held me down. But and you had a I, I remember he was like really fast, like uh same with Melvin Gilliard and um and Eddie Alvarez was one of them too. It's like their their level changes are really good. They do a good job of like level changing and just catching you. They would they they're just fast, they would catch me with stuff that I didn't really see. And I'd say it's your credit. Um over you had a cut over your left eye, and I'm gonna be dude, these cuts they're not small. I mean yeah. the cuts that I'm mentioning. At some point, there's a couple fights where Josh is like, Yeah, I really couldn't see out of the eye because the blood was just kind of pooling in it while I was fighting off my back. And um, man, that scar tissue, that's that's something yeah. um, something crazy that, that you're you have to deal with. All right, so that's July, and um Josh, obviously, is kind of, you don't seem like a guy that parties a lot outside, like when you were in your UFC, outside of your fight, because you're, you're in such good shape. Like, you don't, you're not slacking on that. And Thiago Alves gets sick, and he pulls off a bout on August 26, 2006. UFC 62, you fight the first, the elder of the Diaz brothers, Nick. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, it's kind of crazy. You know, I still want to fight Tiago Lau, so. Bare uh, knuckle, baby. Bare knuckle. Yeah, I tried to make it. I tried to make it happen. Uh, David said that he. I agreed to everything, and then they said, "Oh, Tiago's Tiago's manager doesn't want want doesn't want to do the fight. We're gonna go in a different direction." I'm like, "Whatever." Really? He didn't want. He didn't want to fight me UFC 62 either. So, <laughs> imagine that. Yeah. So you fight Nick Diaz and. There's a couple times where Miguel, I, and Chris were talking at this time. And there's two instances where I would have lost money on a pre-UFC bet. Kara Parisian fought Nick Diaz, and they didn't fight at weigh-ins. I lost. I, I thought that would have happened. Yeah. And for sure, I'm like, Nick Diaz, Josh Neer at weigh-ins? <laughs> Punches will be thrown. Like, I, I, I lost yeah. money. Like, I lost money twice yeah. on the Diaz brothers. There seemed to be some mutual respect. Did that extend itself prior to the fight as well, or was it earned during the bout? Um, it was, like, it's kind of weird because Nick's always been, like, controversial. I didn't really have an opinion on him, uh, you know, before the fight. It was just like – you know, like I, I was just more worried about myself. So I wasn't really like I didn't have opinions on other fighters. And uh, I think it was mutual respect. I think some people just know, like, not to, you know, not to cross the line. I feel like I'm like that, you know, and I feel like sure. he's obviously like that, too. So I think it was just a mutual respect that. uh you know, we didn't we didn't get in a fight or anything. Uh, I remember seeing him uh, before we were like walking in the hallways or whatever, crossing paths, and he just kind of like gave me a head nod and just kept walking by, and I did the same thing, and that was that was really it. You know, there wasn't ever uh, any beef or anything. It's kind of crazy because actually, when I fought him. Uh, that's when I like kind of started to be a fan of his because I just remember like at the UFCs, it's like all the like UFC walk workers, like usually whenever I go into a fight, I feel like they all, they always wanted me to lose. And then I remember this fight is like, all of a sudden they're like, Hey, I hope you kick Nick's ass. And I was like, what the fuck? You guys have never said this to me before. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, you guys like me? All of a sudden, I'm your favorite guy? I thought you guys always want me to lose. And, uh, <laughs> you know, like, so a couple of the employees were like, good luck, kick Nick's ass. And I was like, damn, well, that, that's, that's probably why he doesn't have a good relationship with the UFC. You know, it's like, if they're saying this to his opponent, it's like, man, like, obviously, you know. And bags for sure. He doesn't yeah. feel welcome there. And yeah. so that's when I actually was like, man, like, uh, he he does, like, have a legitimate, like, pressure, you know, some, something Jeez. to complain about. Because I remember, like, back then, dude, he only made, like, $10,000 when, when he fought me. And he was yeah. like a bit, and he was like a big draw. And then after, after he fought me, I think he fought someone else. And then he left, and he went from like ten and ten to like fifty and fifty. And yeah. uh, 
strike force or elite xc or whatever it was called and so like that's when i actually started to like nick is uh the week of our fight <laughs> but you know what's what's funny like i remember i fought nick a long time ago and then ever I ever since when i'd see them you know him and nate they both treated me great you know and uh yeah i think i think it, it they like realness and if they feel like you're a phony yeah. you talk shit about this or you embellish whatever you act like you're something you're not they call that shit out and they don't like it but i think i've never heard yeah. nate be so complimentary as he was when he fought you so they yeah. like you for the same reason like this dude just gr a grind he's a tough ass dude who's coming to fight that's all you're a real fighter you know what i mean yeah. because they yeah. like real fighters some of these guys they fight because of the money or because they're on tv they wouldn't fight if it were if you were getting paid 100 bucks and we both okay. did that shit. so we're real fighters that's why they like us in my opinion yeah for sure i i totally agree i'm the same way you know that's part of the reason why i did this podcast so i'm like man like chris lytle's a real fighter you know so uh <laughs> i i definitely think that they they think the that the same way, you know. I, 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 100% guaranteed. I, I was going to say exactly the same thing, Josh. I was going to say, it, it, they don't do a lot of interviews either. If we get them, we definitely got to have Chris aboard. We ain't going to get no <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's funny because when I was at Nick's house back in the day, I didn't even realize that he fought Chris. Yeah. And he was like, he was like, Man, I don't know what he was talking about. He was going on one of his, uh, one of his uh, fucking, you know, just talking sprees. And he was like, man, I fucking fought Chris Lytle when I was like fucking 18 and this and that. I was like, oh, damn, you fought Chris? When, <laughs> I, was he 18 when he fought you? I thought he was like 19 or 20. He, he was young. Yeah. He just, he was a last minute fill and I was supposed to fight Jake Sears. And they're like, oh, this guy's one grappler's quest. He's under him like. I don't even fought any yesterday. Like, I beat this nerd, whatever. And then I lost a split decision, man. I, I was, I, I, was yeah. I was about to quit fighting after that. I was like, I got beat by some nineteen-year-old kid. I was like, maybe this, maybe I'm not as good as I think I am. I'm like, and I was, yeah. I was, and then about a year later, he's in the UFC. And he's beating yeah. people, so I was like, okay, I don't feel so yeah, bad. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's what he said because he was talking. Someone was talking about. They were talking about their Robbie Lawler fight, and he yeah. was like. I think he he fought you before he fought Robbie, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and he was like, man, he was like, I, I fought Chris Lytle and all these other good guys. And so when I fought Robbie, I was like going into the fight like, dude, I already fought all these badass dudes. Like, yeah. I'm not I'm not going to be scared of Robbie, you know? And then he knocked him out. And I remember I was, yeah. I, was at, I was at that fight. I fought that same night. Now, he was – I talked to him. He was ultra confident when he was going to fight Robbie Law. I was like, yeah. it's, I mean, Nick's just tough as hell, man. I mean, you just know yeah. that. He was ultra yeah. confident when everybody was scared. Yeah. <laughs> Think yeah, about that. Everybody else was afraid yeah. of Robbie. And I was like, that's, that's what they held me when I fought Robbie. I wasn't afraid of him. And I, it was a good fight, you know. And, and then oh, Nick had the same Robbie attitude. Too? Yeah. Yeah. Well, how did that go? I lost the decision, but it's a close fight. It was a real, it was a real oh, good really? fight, man. It was a fun one. If you ever watched was UFC, it in 45. UFC, yeah. Oh dang! What UFC forty five? Forty five. Yeah, we uh, dang. we 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 had a good one, man. You need to check it out. Yeah, I'll definitely have to go watch that. So, so Josh, during your fight, you guys were talking shit to each other, but it wasn't like like I'm gonna get you. It's like, oh, that's what you got. Okay, let me have it. Let me have it, and. Josh, you know, when, when Nick or Nate Diaz, they're 
known for their cardio, obviously. Oh. And during the bout, you'll see them talk shit like, yeah, yeah, come on, come, come with that some more. In the second round, Josh Neer was doing that to Nick Diaz. And it was just a battle of wills and cardio. And I think that's what won the fight for Nick in the third round. Like yeah. his cardio was superior to yeah. a guy who I was shocked. I, I, I'm shocked at looking at your fights and how good a shape that you're in. And Nick's cardio was just, it was better. And it, it's insane oh. to me to yeah, even think Nick's, of it that way. Nick's cardio is on another level, man. Like he, like, in his prime, you know, like he was, you know, he does triathlons and all that stuff. It's like, man, that guy, his cardio is on another level. Well, who's that? Garrity we had on here is like, I've never seen guys who train that much. All they do is train, smoke weed, and that's it. That's all they'll do is <laughs> their coach. It was yeah. a light day. It was like a 10-mile run and a, you know, swim, bike. That's a and their day, day off. Yeah. And their day off from training. Yeah. Yeah. They had him do a triathlon. It's like. <laughs> yeah. I remember, like, one of the first times when I went out and started training with Nick and Nate, we, like, went for a run. And we were, at, like, at this pond, and uh, Nick was, like, I bet I could swim across. Uh, well, it was, like, it was like a lake or, I don't know, a big pond. I don't know what's the difference between a lake and a pond. But he was, like, I bet I could swim across that. And I'll, I'm, like, thinking, yeah, you probably could. And then he jumps <laughs> in and he swims all the way across it. Uh, but I didn't really know why, like, dude, you just want to, like, Prove that you could swim across it or what? Good job. But yeah, we we did this hard this hard run, and like we were all gassed out. Well, I was gassed out. I, I don't know. Nate, and Nick were probably good, and then Nick was like, "Yeah, I bet I could swim across that." And then yeah, I'm like, "Okay." And then he jumped in and swam across it. Man, man, what's crazy? Did you guys? hang out afterward that night with uh nick with, with nick on that fight night no, you, I, there was a mutual really, respect there that yeah i didn't really become friends with them until after it, it was actually when i right before i fought nate me and nate nate fought kurt pellegrino and i fought uh dean thomas and uh we're so we're on the same card and then uh my boxing coach was like, hey, let's get a picture with Nick. And I'm like, okay. And so we went and took a picture with Nick and uh, and then with Nate, too. And we're like, you know, that was the first time I even ever met Nate. Uh, hmm. He was in the UFC, but I never crossed paths with him or anything. And we took a picture, and then UFC seen it, and then uh, they're like – and then the, literally, like, the next week, then they're like – they call call me like we want you to be in main event against Nate Diaz. I'm like, oh man, come on! I just made friends <laughs> with this guy. So, yeah. I'm like, I like him. I have to fight him, and so the, then we had to fight. So, so you'd mentioned Din Thomas. That's when you had your, your relationship. So here's the yeah. thing. So after the Nick Diaz fight, which dude, it's incredibly entertaining. It really is. And, and Josh, you take these short little steps. You, all, you you march people down with short little steps because you don't want to stretch yourself out because you're constantly throwing punches. And it's just, it's it's a beautiful fight to watch. 
the UFC cuts him again for the yeah. second time. How did you get that? How, how did that conversation go? Well, they didn't really cut me because actually when I – when I, uh, I mean, they did, but they didn't. I, I just – I actually asked for my release just because I felt like I was outclassed in that fight. I just felt like I need to get better. And because uh, oh. before I did the fight, they said, well, we won't cut you whether you win or you lose because you're taking this fight on like a week's notice. Well, I mean, really, Nick was taking the fight, but I was I was supposed to fight Tiago Laos, and he mm. pulled out. And so they said, well, if you take this fight, then we won't cut you whether you win or you lose. And I actually asked for my release just because I felt like I needed to get better. And I wanted to go down to 155. Oh yeah. And they were okay. still being they were still being weird about that, not letting me go down to 55. So so he goes six and one on the indie scene, including wins over TJ Wahlberger, who's a future UFC vet. So like you're having just you're still just mowing people down. And they bring him back April 2nd, 2008 to get Chris against one of your buddies, Din Thomas, yeah. who is yeah. super tough and always in shape as well. Did yeah. you, did you, uh, why don't you take us through the fight? Like what, what were your thoughts of it? Well, actually I, I ended up fighting Dean because I got signed when, after my release, I got signed by pride and I was supposed to fight at 160 because I told you I wanted to go down and wait, and I got signed by by Pride, and then UFC bought Pride, and then that's how I got back into UFC. <laughs> so really, I, I got signed by Pride, and then UFC bought uh, Pride, and so that's who, how I got back into who, UFC. Who was Pride going to match you against? Man, Did you get uh, a name? Um, so, uh, Sakurai, I think. Okay, Hayato Sakurai. I forget what's his first name. Hayato. Yeah, Hayato Sakurai. I was supposed to fight him. Okay, he's not bad. Was, <laughs> I think they were gonna do that fight, and then if I won that fight, then I probably would have fought Gilman. Oh, dude, you know what, man? Because that would have been fun to watch. At the time, Gomi was like the number one guy. Stud. And Sakurai was like the number two guy, I think. So. Yep, and let me let me ask you: Is Monty doing the wheeling and dealing for you? Is he your manager throughout all this? Yeah, that was my manager at the time. Yeah. Okay, good. good. He had a couple. I've just noticed that he had a couple of people ask for their release from the UFC and and, and got them better deals. Like yeah, uh, yeah, Tim Sylvia. Tim Sylvia is another one. So and, and yeah. you mentioned that you kind of always felt like they wanted you to lose and stuff. That may be because of Monty too. You know because. It's so many guys. And- yeah, they didn't like Monty too much. <laughs> they didn't like Pat at the time either because um, because the IFL at the time was going on. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and he's in your corner. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I remember uh, when I fought Nick, Pat was in my corner. And that, at that time, Dana and uh, Pat, like, had beef or whatever the issue is. And. People are like, oh, like, man, you, you better not have Pat corner you. And I was like, for why? What do you mean? They're like, well, Dana don't like him. I was like, I don't give a shit. Like, that's, a, <laughs> that's Dana's problem. <laughs> I don't really care. 
And so, uh, so Pat was in my corner. I remember Dana came in our locker room and, uh, Dana was like, Oh, you brought this guy. And I was like, yep. And then, uh, and then he <laughs> kind of just walked out the door. <laughs> oh. Remember, it was he, like I, that. It, I, I mean, I think he might have shook people's hands and stuff. I don't, I mean, Chris probably remembers it back in the day. Like, Dana would go in the locker room and, you know, just shake hands and say hi to everyone or whatever, you know. And, and that night, uh, Pat was in our locker room and he didn't stay very long. <laughs> yeah, he gave he gave uh, Randy Couture the same kind of treatment when Couture's kids yeah, fell for yeah. him too. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, just another well, example of Dana being Dana. He kind of two-piece Couture um, said, you know, dead can't cornea. And I'm getting your kid's ass kicked. <laughs> yeah. You know, like you, you gave him a one-two punch on that one. Um, so did I've always been I've always been cool with Dana. Like I don't have no beef or anything with him. It's just like I'm loyal to my coaches though. So if you have a problem with them, that's on you. So John Fitch had talked to us about the UFC was constantly trying to separate him from his management in regards to uh, just wheeling and dealing and conversations. And John always shut those opportunities down immediately and just go, no, 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 don't talk to me. Duh. Uh, talk to my manager. Talk to my manager. Yeah. Did you have those types of situations going on with the UFC as well? Um, not really because I like, I know I didn't ever, I didn't have their numbers. I didn't want their numbers or anything. So like, uh, you know, it's like whenever they would, uh, whenever they needed me, they would call my manager. So I can see that. Yeah. yeah. Near ain't playing with that shit, dude. Near it ain't happening. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Dent Thomas, you, um, it was your second time at 155, and it seemed like, you know, due to the weight cut, it seemed to me that in the first no, round, that was my first fight. That was my first fight at 55. It was. Yeah. Okay. Was they yeah. mentioned on the on on the fight that it was your second time? I couldn't find it the first time. I just figured oh, it may have been a mistake in your record. I had a fight before that. It was at 160, but it wasn't okay. at 55. Fair enough. Yeah. So. Did that weight cut affect your output? I made weight easy then. Because when, when, so when I was fighting at 70 the first time, I was only walking around at like 178, 175, you know? So the, the first time when I fought um, Dean Thomas, I made weight easy. That was my easiest cut to 55. Who helped you with your diet? Huh? Who helped you with your diet? myself <laughs> really yeah i just i just worked out a whole bunch you know i only had it it was only like 20 pounds uh, say, I, after i fought at 55 though it's like my bot i st then i started walking around like 85 and 90 and i got up to like 95 you know and you know it, it was weird because when i was fighting at 70 i was only walking around like 178 and then after I went down to 55, it's like my body, like, start thinking it was dying or something. Yeah. And people people tell me then it, like, stores fat or whatever. And uh, 
then after a while, then it was like super hard for me to make 55. And then I had to go back up to 70. Man, I, I was uh, talking to Anthony Smith not too long ago. He went up to 205. He said when he'd get down to 85, he'd get up to, you know, 230. He said that when he quit doing that, he said, I'm not doing that. Now he never gets that high anymore. It's the same, exact same thing you're talking yeah. about. Like his body would just go like, I need it. And, it, and when, it, when it try and cut too low, it, it'd blow way up. So, I, yeah, that's uh, that's very interesting. Man. I didn't realize that. that that's nuts. Yeah. You know what's one of the more interesting takeaways from that fight as well? Other than Josh, you just – I mean, you were, you were a freight train um, against yeah. Din. But Josh has got Monty Cox as manager and uh, Matt Hughes in his corner. And Din Thomas has got Eve Edwards and Dan Lambert, who owns the American top team. So it's just kind of <laughs> – Very good corners. And stuff. Yeah. It's yeah. interesting. You know, one yeah. fighter and, you know, one administration, you know, guy. <laughs> yeah, that was a weird fight because, like, I was – you know, I always had respect for uh, Dean. That was actually probably the only fight that I really didn't want to do. But it's like they pretty much were like, oh, this is who you're fighting. If you don't want to fight him, then too bad. Then you won't fight. So I'm like, all right, I guess I'll fight Dean. <laughs> so at uh, UFC Fight Night 15, you had mentioned earlier, it's Omaha, Nebraska, which is two hours away from you li- where you live. And you're the 155-pound main event against Nate Diaz. So how does that fight kind of come about, like, in your opinion? And uh, why don't you take us through it? Yeah, I mean, the fight pretty much happened how I told you. They've seen the UFC, seen me and Nate taking a picture together, being kind of friendly. And so they're like, oh, well, we'll have you guys fight each other. Let's <laughs> so, this was... friendship right away. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that happens quite a bit. Yeah. And so Nate also was on the Ultimate Fighter as well. That's kind of a reoccurring theme in your UFC career. And he was also coached by Jens Pulver. Yeah. Did Jens, like, this is the second guy from, you know, that was coached by a Militich coach. Did, did Jens help you in your preparation in regards to Nate? Um, yeah, he did a little bit, you know, but uh, not that much. I'm trying to remember. I mean, basically, uh, on Pat trained me for that fight. Like, I remember that fight, like the um, Dean Thomas and the Nate Diaz fight are the two fights that I probably – trained the hardest my whole career like I I like really put everything into into both of those fights you know and uh yeah I mean Jen's always helped me out but it wasn't ever like well Nate does this or that or anything you know it's, it wasn't ever like that okay here's the thing you kind of know how Nate's gonna fight you slick off his back yeah a lot of I mean it was no secret yeah. it's not like he'd be like he does this secret move man when uh, that just train him you know what I mean yeah, I remember going into a fight. I actually wanted to submit him because I was like, I felt like my jiu-jitsu was really good. And I was like, and I like knew that he was like hyped up as like this really good jiu-jitsu guy. So, and um, at the time I was training with uh, uh, Rodrigo Zeta, he was a just a little Brazilian guy that um, he was at our gym. He was like one of the jiu-jitsu coaches. And I was training a lot with him, and I was like, I'm going to submit him, you know. So <laughs> I, always go, 
I don't have the greatest game plans. I always like I'm mm-hmm. hard headed. I always want to beat people <laughs> at whatever they're good at. You know. Yeah, yeah. So if I fight someone that's a stand up fighter, I want to knock them out. If I fight, you know, a jiu-jitsu guy, I want to submit them. So I-, I couldn't find much on El Zeta, but your ground game it, it went through the roof in regards to like your, your bottom activity. And yeah. um, I, I was shocked at, at how good you were on the ground and just how aggressive you were on the offense. Yeah. Cause right before that fight, I fought Mac Danzig and he never had been submitted by anyone. I was, I think I was the first one that uh, submitted him and he was, he was either a brown belt or a black belt at the time. And, and Mac uh, Danzig was tough. Yeah, Nick, yeah, Danzig's, Danzig's actually your next he fight. Won ultimate, he won the ultimate fighter. Huh? It, oh, I think Danzig's just... actually your next bout. Oh, yeah. Yeah, actually, yeah. Never mind. Yeah, Danzig was was after that. But, yeah, I was working my jiu-jitsu a lot, you know, at that time. God damn. Uh, hey, Chris, you got muted. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was working my jiu-jitsu a lot at that time. So, I was, uh, you know really trying to get my jiu-jitsu right. Um, with Nate, one of the things that, like, blew me away is, you know, the Diaz's, they're pure attitude. And it's not like it's a phony thing. Like, it's that's just who they are. You know, you figure it out or beat me. It's kind of one of those types of situations. And Nate went out of his way to put you over with that crowd in his post-fight speech. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's just a mutual respect, you know, just like, you know, I think that's how he is with everyone. Anyone that, you know, like his um, his last fight against Leon Edwards, you know, that he wants to fight winners. He wants to fight, you know, the real fighters. He ain't trying to fight, you know, the all the clout chasers. And, you know, he wants to fight the, the best guys. So. Were you at the altercation where Clay Guida and Nate got into a fight backstage? No, I wasn't there. But, I mean, I, I know uh, – what's Clay's brother's name? Jason Guida, right? Jason. Yeah. He, he's, a wild, he's a wild man, dude. He, uh, there, there's lots of stories about him at military at MFS. I, I think a couple of the guys beat him up uh, – somewhere at, at one of the fights too so <laughs> yeah i i don't know what i don't know anything about that i, hey, I don't know what happened nate nate told me what happened but i don't even remember what he said i think like clay i think clay went up to him and was like he was like yeah good fight or something and he's like i want to fight you and then nate was like like what and then and then, like, they just start fighting or something. I don't, I don't know what happened. It's weird because, man, I've hanged out with Clay Guida before. He's great, man. That seems weird. You know what I mean? I yeah. think he's super cool. So I don't yeah, get but, it. But Clay's a little weird, too. Like, I, yeah, it's I true. Don't know, I don't know him like that either. But I mean, it sounds like something that he would say. And like, to fighters, you don't like, you don't do that. Yeah. I, I, yeah, don't know I can if- see. Nate, Nate, and Nick both are like. I think they say see that as a sign of disrespect. When I don't think Clay yeah, meant it that yeah. way, but I think they're like piss off. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I, yeah. I can see that. It makes sense. Yeah, you <laughs> ain't gonna go up to them and be like, 
I want to. I want to fight you. Like, right. let's do it. If you say that, then they're gonna fight you right there. Right there. Yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah. I think that's what happened, but I don't know well, the whole story. Well, it's kind of like, oh, that's your wish. Here, let me grant it for you, right, right yeah. now. Yeah. I got you covered. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. Jason Guida, Jason is like, he's like a heavyweight, like a two thirty and stuff. He he never made UFC. Wasn't quite that level, but he's probably doing with like 60, 70 fights too. So. So yeah, yeah, he could get stupid in there, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think he was on the Ultimate Fighter and then he didn't make weight or something, right? Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah, he <laughs> got on the Ultimate Fighter and then he didn't make weight and then got kicked off or something. So you have like a six-month off period. Did you get injured in the DS fight? Uh, No, I – much shit. if i would not have tapped out my arm would have been broken uh that that was the only time that i've ever tapped in a fight was that was against nick or are you talking about nate i'm talking about nate you lost the split oh, okay. decision and, and one of the coolest things that you saw is they announce you know the first judge goes with josh near josh just shakes his head and he's like man i didn't win this fight and uh it just kind of said no man it's this isn't a game. This isn't, oh, let me just kind of give me the decision, say I won, even though I didn't win, and I don't care, I'm going to jump around. You were like, no, no, no. I didn't win this fight. I'm not, even if you announced me as a winner, I'm not taking it. It was one of those types yeah. of situations that was about to unfold, but but uh, but Nate got the, uh, the split decision victory. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I definitely... I felt like he won the fight. It, it yeah, was, but it was a good was one. Probably, it was very good. Yeah, it, it was probably close and stuff, but I, I felt like he won. So I'm not trying to take someone's win that, when I didn't win. No, for sure you can't do that. For sure you can't do that. Um, you go up against Mac Danzig next. So Mac Danzig wins the Ultimate Fighter Season 6. And like I said, it's just it's a showcase. It's a big infomercial. And when those guys – come to the big leagues, the UFC, it's guaranteed that they're going to have big ratings going with them. And yeah. comes out, fights Clay Guida, kind of gets steamrolled. So they say, okay, let's put him up against Josh Neer. And yeah. it is a phenomenal fight. Yeah. It's kind of crazy because uh, that's a fight I didn't really train very hard at all for that fight. I was like... I didn't really train uh, that hard. I was that was when uh, I was going. I split up with my daughter's mom and stuff, and I was just going through a whole bunch of uh, personal stuff. And uh, I went on a high speed chase uh, six weeks before that, or five weeks before that, and uh, I just wasn't in the right place. But I went into that fight like mentally, just like I'm not gonna lose this fight no matter what. So it was more of like a mental thing than anything, but I didn't, I was like partying all the time and not doing what I should do. And, uh, it's weird. Like sometimes you'll train like as hard as like super hard and then you'll lose. And then, you know, this was the time, this is probably the only fight in my career that I didn't really train and just, screwed off and did this stuff that I shouldn't do. And then I go out and like, look really good. So Mac Danzig is like a real, 
technical fighter. He's very yeah. technical, whether it's on the ground or standing up. He's here. Josh is clearly a type B guy. He opens up the box. He's going to put together whatever it is without reading the instructions. Danzig's the guy that carefully, meticulously reads every step of the instructions and kind of puts things together. And when you go up against somebody like Josh Neer, you tend to get bullied. And that's kind of what took place in that fight. Would you not agree? Yeah, I mean, like I say, I went into that fight just mentally. Like, it's like kill or be killed. It's not like I don't go into that fight like that all the time. But this fight, for sure, is just like sometimes you feel like when you don't have anything to lose, that's when you're the most dangerous. And that's how like mentally I was just like, I don't have anything to lose. Like I'm just going to take this guy out. However, and so, on, on top of it, it helped that uh, he was a Mark Lehman guy too. <laughs> Mark was in his corner. Now, yeah, I, now yeah, like, like Mark it, was in his corner. You, 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 this is the second time they've had a guy who, who wins the ultimate fighter. They're giving him, do you, do you feel like in a way, like, and what piss on these? I mean, this, do you feel like it's in a way disrespectful or do you like it's a happy to get the opportunity to fight these guys who are overhyped in your opinion? Yeah, that's how I felt. I felt like they were overhyped, you know, and, and, uh, I felt like they're overhyped and they really weren't that good, you know. I was yeah. like, you know, the, the, like, I love Nate and stuff, but I feel like the the good guys are the guys that are getting into the UFC without getting on the ultimate fighter. I always look down on the the guy on the ultimate fighter guys. I'm like, man. It's a bad contract, guys, too. Yeah, I'm like, these guys don't even deserve to be here. They got on yeah. here, they got in here from a TV show. Like, come on, man. People were, I feel like people were chopping at the bit trying to get anybody from the ultimate fight. Like, this guy's overhyped and he's not worth it. And I'm going to build a name. I'll be, I, yeah, everybody wanted to fight this. So I, I didn't know how you saw that, but that's great. Yeah. Now, now you, had, you had also mentioned that you signed with Pride and then the UFC bought Pride. Uh, are you happy with your compensation at this point? Because they're still running you through, you know, every tough guy they can find. No, I, dude, on uh, all my fights, I never made. I never made more than my opponent, even when I won oh. and my opponent lost. Like, even mm. when I fought Dean Thomas, I made, like, I don't remember what I made, but I think it was, like, 20000 or something to win. And I think De Dean Thomas made, like, 30000 I'm like, bro, like, <laughs> I never really got compensated how wow. I felt like I should have got compensated. Yeah, that's Do you think shame, that's man. because you didn't socialize like some of the other guys? Do you think that's where that comes down to? I mean, probably, which, like, I understand, too. But, uh, yeah, I, I just felt like I was always underpaid. Oh, you know, with, with the bonuses, too, like, I mean, you know, you, you said, hey, you know, they're, the UFC's got people in the locker rooms. They're there. They saw you take a picture and stuff. But when it comes down to handing out the bonuses, they all forgot about you. Yeah, I think I only what did I get like four four bonuses? I, got, I thought I saw two. Was there four? Uh, I saw well, two I, fight of the night bonuses. Two fight of the night. No, I, 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 I didn't see the any night. knockout or submission bonuses. I got submission of the night too. Okay, yeah, I, fought, I didn't see that. Uh, when I fought, um, I think it was when I fought 
Um, May have been Danzig. No, I, I should have got a bonus for that. I got five the night for that. When I fought Melvin Gilliard, I got a uh, submission of the night. You got fight of the night against Danzig. So let, let me let me tie this up. So Mac Danzig is a black belt under Mark Lehman. Um, he's somebody that they catered an entire TV show around thinking that he was such a hot prospect. Um, he's 29 years old. He's coming in at 19, five and one, wins tough six, coming off a loss with Guida. I think that it shocked the UFC that this hot prospect is struggling so much. And you're, take, you're talking about a high-end jiu-jitsu black belt with all the pedigrees and decorations. And Josh Neer submits him and makes him look stupid on the ground. <laughs> yeah. A Militich fighting system guy. You know, just yeah. one of those ground, you know, ground and pound guys puts on a clinic against Mac Danzig. Yeah, Mark Lehman was in his corner. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> he picked the wrong coach. <laughs> so shortly after that, they line you up against Kirk Pellegrino at, at 155. Pellegrino comes into the fight at 19 and four. At this point, you're 25, seven and one. And again, they put you in a venue 75 miles away from Kirk Pellegrino's house. Yeah. Yeah, that right then is when I really started to struggle to make 55. Yeah, like I was like struggling like my whole the whole time that I would uh I would go in and to my training was all just based around losing weight, you know, to just make weight. Man. So Kurt Pellegrino is a two-time state runner-up for the state of New Jersey for wrestling. You know, the no other recurring theme uh, that's taking place in your career. And he pins you for three rounds. And you were angry at I, – I think what happens is Josh kind of gets off on fighting. Like, it really means a lot to him. And it's there's certain expectations, even in a loss, that Josh Neer expects. And ass-kicking being one of them, if you're going to yeah. lose – and that didn't happen. It was just yeah. you got pinned for three rounds. Yeah, I remember just going into that fight and, like, all of his interviews were like, we're going to have this war, like, uh, Nick Diaz versus Gomi war, you know? It's like, dude, and then he just wanted to wrestle me the whole time. I'm like, I was just frustrated because it's I, – I hate when people do that. Eddie Alvarez did that too. It's like – in all their interviews, they're act like it's going to be this epic Don Fry and uh, the Japanese guy <laughs> that he fought. And it's like, dude, the first time you got hit, you just were trying to take me down the whole time. Come on. Man, I had I, that was like a theme for me as well, man. I, uh, I absolutely hated those were my least favorite fights in UFC trying – Sam up with the fight. I'm like, I don't want to fight this dude, man. He's going to try and hold me down. Like, oh, no, he's going to stand up with you, Chris. I go, I promise he's not going to. And they wouldn't. They'd blanket me. I'd be like, man. I mean, I was bored in some of those fights. I'm like, I know people are like, I'd get so pissed because, like, yeah, I don't mind losing a good fight. I don't. But, I mean, I'd rather, I cannot stand guys who want to play it safe and hold you down because, like you said, they'll yeah. talk. I'm going to stand. You ain't going to stand with people. I mean, because – I, that's why I, I appreciate the Warriors, man. People will go out there and bang it out. 
I have nothing but love for those guys, man. But if you're gonna, I mean, win at all costs, I can't do it, man. I'm not, I'm not built for it. Yeah, and it's like I don't even like I come. I'm a wrestler. I come from wrestling. It's like I don't have a problem with you wrestling me, but it's like try to beat me up or try to submit me when we're on exactly. the ground. Don't like, hold. I, I love wrestling. Wrestling's great, but it's like, dude, you're just trying to hold me down and win a decision and and hope that the clock runs out. Yeah, it's what you did. Raise your hand, like, oh, I, I did something great. It's like, dude, you. You didn't even win, like, you, like, uh, yeah. That that was my whole thing, just with wrestlers. Like, I love wrestling, but it's like, dude, you need to learn. You need to try to beat someone up. If you're you're if you're going into a fight, then you should try to fight them, not try to just yeah control them down and control them. You know, I I think you had some words with him. Like, this is really how you wanted to win. You know, something along that nature uh, after the fight stopped. But the one standout thing that, that I took from this fight, you had Jeremy Stevens back in your corner, an early training partner. Did you leave Militich at this time and do your training camp back in Des Moines? Yeah, that's what – yeah, when – so when I fought Mac Danzig is when uh, my daughter – me and my daughter's mom split up, and then she moved back to Des Moines. And, um, and then that's when I moved back here too. It wasn't that far, but it was like, you know, uh, the quad series, like two and a half hours. And I didn't want to have to drive back and forth to see my daughter and stuff. And, uh, it's you know, cool. I, I ended up moving back to Des Moines. It's not like I, I, I'll always be an MFS guy. So it wasn't like I left on bad terms. It was just more personal. Yeah, you're gonna choose Jeremy, between Jeremy was training with me all the time. Nice. How how difficult was that for you to watch Jeremy and Spencer Fisher fight? Yeah, I didn't even watch it. <laughs> to this day, I don't think I I've ever watched it. So wow. Wow. Yeah, Spencer won, right? A decision or something. Yeah. Went to a decision. Yeah. Yeah. So for those at home, um, Jeremy Stevens and Josh Neer cut their teeth on the independent circuit. Josh has a fight with Spencer Fisher, moves to Militage Fighting System, and after that, every single fight that Spencer had, you're in his corner, and the majority of your fights, he's in your corner. You could tell there was a special bond there. And you know, like you said, you had a picture taken with Nate Diaz, and all of a sudden, okay, well, that's our main event. It, to me, it seemed like, you know, you've got an entire roster of guys. And I even said this in the Spencer Fisher interview. I mean, you got an entire roster of guys. Why those two? Obviously, Chris said because they're both badass and it's a good fight. But it just seemed like almost – it was almost done intentionally just to kind of, like, prove a point. Yeah, just to, like, cause a rift or cause drama, but but it didn't even really cause what they wanted to cause because it's like we both re- – like when I fought Nate, you know, and I was like, we we're both respecting each other. So it wasn't even, there was no drama that even went into it. It was just a competition. Okay. You know, you know? Right. and I, I and know. I like to kind of keep moving forward. So I'm going to apologize on this question. Nate Diaz pre-fight, no issues there either. No. Any, no. any encounters there? 
Nope. I actually, I didn't even see him until, until weigh-ins. I'm pretty sure I never seen him at all. Um, it's funny because he went and he, he trained at, um, premier combat who like Jake Ellenberger and, um, you know, some people that I know train there and stuff. And he went and trained at their gym, but I, I wasn't, at, I wasn't there at the time. So I never seen him at all. Hey, Josh, I, I, I got UFC fight pass. I'm psychotic with YouTube videos. I was looking for those weigh-ins like on both of them and, and they don't exist. I, I'm like, I just, you walk up on stage, stare at a guy, pose, and leave. And I spent like three hours just looking for it. <laughs> because I'm like, there has to be something there. There has to be. You got two dudes yeah. that are like freight trains and don't play. And they're going to look at each other a few feet from each other. Like, there has to be something there. <laughs> yeah. It's just mutual respect, you know. That, That's cool. That's what they want. If I fought like if I fought Matt Sarah or someone like that, it would be like that too, you know. Yeah, That's I, cool. I, I got a question for you. So obviously, Nick, Nate, you fought both of them. You talked mutual respect there, like throughout. But at some point, you said you went up to the house in Stockton up there. How did that come about? How did you get the phone call? How'd you get the invite? How does that work out? Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of funny because I um. After after we fought, Nate was like, hey, you should come out and train with us sometime. And, you know, I said the same thing. I was like, you should come here. But, you know, he's from Cali. He ain't going to come to Iowa. <laughs> it's a little bit nicer out in Cali. So I reached out to him. It's funny because um, I reached out to him. I think it was on Facebook, but it might have been MySpace. And uh, I reached out to one of his it wasn't the real Nate Diaz. It was just, you know, one of the many um, imposters <laughs> pretended to be Nate Diaz. And uh, then uh, I reached out to him. I was like, hey, man, we should train or something. And he, like, never responded back. And then somehow my manager um, got a hold of Caesar Gracie and um, – and, um, got in touch with Caesar and then Caesar was like, yeah, you can come out. And, uh, then I went out there and everything. And then I realized, uh, Nate, I was like, bro, I reached out to you on Facebook. You didn't, you didn't message me back. He was like, dude, that's not my, I was, he was like, where? And I show him, he's like, that's not me, dude. <laughs> I was like, Oh man. He's like, he's like, here's my Facebook. And so I like, all right cool yeah we almost fought over this yeah good yeah. <laughs> i was like super salty i'm like bro why are you being a bit like i thought you invited me to come come out and train <laughs> he's like that's not my facebook and that's, yeah. i mean just to put this in perspective this is 2008 2009 so this kid yeah Nate, Nate Diaz has been dealing with imposters and being a, basically a superstar for a decade and a half man it's incredible yeah, it's that's crazy. not easy and, and still it's, real as shit. Yeah, it's crazy how many, like, Diaz brother, like, Instagram and Facebook and, like, all these pages. Like, it's, it's crazy how many, like, not fake accounts there are. So, I actually, uh, 
I know a guy that owns his domain name, NateDiaz.com, and the guy just sold oh, his really? business, everything. I'm like, I know I could get it from him. Like, I know the guy might give it to me like for free, but if Nate approaches him, he's going to want a shitload of money. So I yeah. through Brian Garrity, I'm just like, hey, tell Nate, I'll get it for him, give it to him. He's got seven pre-UFC fights. That'd take like 35 minutes. Give me a 35-minute interview on Zoom. And Nate just like skipped that and kept like talking about other stuff. He just doesn't give a shit. So I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> yep. It is what it is. It's yeah. easy. It's easy. You just do Nate Diaz 209 and he don't give a shit. Yeah. <laughs> He's got yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. So from there, dude, you guys got to see this fight. He fights uh, Gleason Tebow at UFC 104. I have never seen a human being at 155 look so large as Gleason. And both of you guys missed weight at that fight. Yeah, all, mine was only by a half pound. I, I could have made weight, but then he he was over by a pound. Uh, and I was like, I was like, are you good? And he was like, yeah. And I'm like, all right, cool, because I don't want to cut this extra half pound. So, I mean, I missed weight, but I could have made weight because I would have had two hours to lose a half pound. And they stopped doing that. They stopped doing that. Sam Stout did that as well. In his and right after that, the UFC really kind of buckled down on guys um, just agreeing in this way. I uh, I remember I I went to one of my fights and I showed up there and, and you know how they always weigh you when you first land, and I land and I um I went there and, and I remember I got on the scale and it said you know so first of all, person before me it was like said at one seventy seven I go once who's because I walked and I was like one eighty two you know I was like damn who's lighter than me what the hell who's lighter than me at one seventy they go. Oh no, that was Gleason Tabao. I said he's he's got to make one fifty five, <laughs> so and I saw him and he looked ripped already at one seventy seven. I was like, dude, this guy's not gonna make it. You know, he had to lose twenty two pounds in, in like three days. And so uh, I remember the day of weigh-ins, I walk in to the like do my thing, and I walk in the locker room, and his ass is just sprawled out on the ground with like no clothes on besides a towel. And there's like these five guys yelling at him in Portuguese. And I was like, dude, he's going to die. <laughs> so I wow. like stepped over him, went in the steam room and came back. And I was like, yeah, he made weight and won the fight too. That dude cut a lot of weight. You were right. Yeah. That was big. Yeah. I used to cut weight with uh, when I was at 55 was when uh, Anthony Johnson was at 170. That's how I, I kind of became friends with Anthony because we would always be cutting weight together dying together and uh yeah it's crazy uh how big anthony johnson is too that guy when he missed weight he missed it by like eight pounds you know 10 yeah. go up a weight class yeah. and he still by 12 yeah. so so when you when, how many how many fights do you say you actually did it we had to i mean where the weight wasn't coming off would you blow up hugely you know what i mean you because you went down to 55 and then you said Immediately, you started getting bigger. How many fights did you think you actually had to cut like that? It was uh, after the uh, after the Mac Danzig fight, which uh, would have been uh, Kurt Pellegrino. I think Pellegrino. that was that was when I started. That, that was when I was like one eighty five, and then um, the Gleason T Pal was the, the heaviest that I've been. I was like. 
And I took that one on uh, somewhat short notice because uh, he was actually supposed to fight Sean Shirk, I think. Mm. And uh, Sean Shirk pulled out for some reason. I remember when I took that fight, I was like 192, 193. Oh. I was like five or six weeks out. Yeah, it's not easy. So Gleason... Um, uses his wrestling and just does takedown after takedown and uh, you wind up on the, the wrong end of the decision. And again, you get cut from the UFC or you get released from the UFC yeah. for your third time, which is not an easy position to be in. Did you think, where were you at in your mind after that fight in regards to your fight career? Um. I don't really, I don't really know. I was so long ago. I, I, man, my whole fight career, I just always wanted to fight the best guy. So, uh, I think after that fight, that's when I fought Eddie Alvarez, right? Yeah. For the Bellator title. Yeah. So after, uh, after that fight, I fought, um, Eddie and I lost that fight and then I must've won a few fights after that. And then I got re-signed back to UFC. Yeah. yeah. So you go on a seven-fight win streak that include wins over Jesse Finney. Um, and, you know, the thing about Finney is that he was as tough as nails, and he never fought again. Like, you beat him with a guillotine choke, Finney never steps in a cage again. And uh, Jesse Juarez, who's got a – he's got an okay record, but one of his wins is against Robert Whitaker, you know, UFC, former UFC oh, champion. Really? Robert Whitaker? He's got a, yeah, he's got a win over Robert Whitaker. Yeah. He was a champion wrestler. Yeah, he also beat Blasavina. Yeah. And like he put together you yeah. know, a good a good set of fights, and you make a fourth run, and he fights one of our friends, uh, Keith Wisniewski. And I'll tell yeah. you, Josh, I'm just going to be very direct with you in regards to this. You had – a lot of trouble with Nick Thompson on the independent scene. Yeah. And your fighting style is phenomenal, but it also kind of caters to like a Keith Wisniewski type matchup. And man, I, I was shocked. I was shocked watching that fight about how, how easy you had it with Keith. Yeah. I felt like, um, I mean, isn't Keith from Indiana or where's he? Yeah. From? He's right over the border. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure Chris knows, but, man, I, I feel like I didn't fight Keith in his prime. Uh, his prime was probably like four or five years before that or so. But uh, definitely, uh, you know, a, a tough fight. And I'm me and uh, Keith used to fight on, like, all the same cards and stuff. So I, I've been following him and then, like, Carlo Prater – Remember Carlo Prater? We had him on. Yeah. yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Like, back in the day, those were the two, like, guys in the Midwest that were, like, super good. Uh, did Carlo Prater ever fight in the UFC? I think he did, didn't he? Like twice. Two or three times. Yeah. But I, I, I don't think he fought at when he was in his prime in the UFC. No. You know? Like, at the time, those were the two – was, like, two of the really top guys in the Midwest. Carlo Prater and, and Wisniewski and Wisniewski beat Prater twice, I think. Yeah, twice. Yeah. And he kind of got oh. robbed on the third one. He should have beat him three oh, times. Oh, they fought three times? Damn. Yeah. Yeah. So that was definitely a good win for me, man. 
Well, you know, you also had an independent like win on the XKK against uh, Derek Noble, too. So you yeah. quickly made a name for yourself on the independent scene in regards to being a top competitor. Um, and the one thing that happened over and over in your fights was you constantly lost your mouthpiece. And yeah. in the Wisniewski fight, Keith is just eating heavy punch after heavy punch after heavy punch. In fact, it took 40 stitches. That's Keith's words in regards to when we talked to him about fighting yourself. He said it took 40 stitches to, to close him up. And he said, I don't think I could have finished Josh. I don't definitely wouldn't have won the fight. But I was definitely gaining momentum at the time when Josh's mouthpiece uh, got knocked out of his mouth and it got stuck in between like the ring apron and the yeah, catwalk. Yeah. And uh, for about two minutes, there's like a two, two and a half minute time period where he's like, I'm thinking, God, he's catching his breath. He's catching his breath. And he's just like, hey, it is what it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was, yeah, that was like a weird moment. I, I mean, I love Keith and stuff, but I, I wasn't like spitting out my mouthpiece no. on purpose. It was just, I bought like a Walmart mouthpiece. <laughs> but that like, happened a lot with you. Yeah, because I bought a Walmart mouthpiece and I always cut my mouthpiece off super short because it I, I I don't like mouthpieces. It makes me gag. Okay. So I just uh, uh. yeah, that, that, it always happened like that because I was too cheap to I should have got it done by a dentist or you know by uh, mm -hmm. someone that knew how to do it, but I just got the ones from Walmart that was like a dollar 99 cents you yeah, need something cents. in your mouth and and it was always cut off it only covered like my four front teeth so <laughs> I mean, it didn't even really even do anything yeah on the bright so, side if, if you cut it yourself you did have a dentist do it yeah so um you know and we're, we're kind of winding down here but you also oh dude he fights one of my favorite fighters, actually. And the buildup to this fight, I was just like, I ain't missing this. I don't care what plans you got. I'm going to be right in front of my TV. When he stepped in the cage January 20, 2012, at UFC fight night against Dwayne Ludwig. Oh, yeah. Not yeah, an easy fight. I don't like that guy either. Really? <laughs> yeah, man. That guy went to Team Alpha Mel. And never really coached anyone. And then all of a sudden, he's coach of the year. I don't know. And then he, like, tried to steal all Team Alpha Mel's people and stuff. I don't know. I just – I didn't really like that guy. He was kind of a dick to me when I – when I the first time that I met him, too. Uh, yeah, I'm not a fan of him. Wow. So, Dwayne's coming off one of the fastest UFC knockouts um, in the history at that time. And Josh is 33 years old, his fourth time back to the UFC, seven and one since 2010. And, um, man, uh, Josh, you ended the fight with a guillotine choke in the first round. Yeah. Now, at, some point, at some point, too, you had mentioned that you asked for a release from the UFC because you wanted to up your level. Here, clearly, you've upped your level, right? I mean, you're taking out yeah. a, a, a solid guy first round, not a lot. You're not even taking damage at this point, really. Uh, how do you feel about your level? Are you, are you ready to make a run at this point? 
Yeah, for sure. I, I felt really – I felt like I was on a run uh, with that. And then I think my next fight I fought uh, Mike Pyle. I was winning that Mike fight. Mike Pyle. Yeah, and then I got caught with just uh, – I feel like it was a lucky punch. I mean, it's whatever. He threw it, but – yeah, that, that sucked, and I felt like if I would have won that fight, you know, I could have got a really big fight after that. So Mike Pyle, one, I respect him. He's with Extreme Couture. They say he's one of those guys that greenlights people at the gym. So, like, I, I like him as, like, I respect, I shouldn't say I like him, I respect him as a fighter, but the rumors of him just beating up people right off the street just to kind of run him out of the gym, is something like him and Jay Huron have that reputation. So when somebody like that, who is the reputation of a bully, runs into a guy like Josh Neer, man, you got to expect fireworks because Josh is definitely not going to be afraid of him. Josh is walking him down and walking him down and just socking him up, ready to finish him, and you got caught with a hook. Yeah. He was going, though. Yeah, I remember the lot. Uh, the last time I thought I was like, man, this guy hits like a bitch. And then, uh, <laughs> then I woke, then I woke up. <laughs> I was like, oh damn, what, what the hell happened? The guy no. that hits like a bitch knocked me out. What the hell? So yeah. I yeah, the thing with that is, um, get overconfident. Kyle was the uh, WEC champion too, so it'd have been a kind yeah. of like a little nice notch on your belt. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely one that I wish that I could get back. I wish and I was in really good shape for that fight. I was like training super hard and just got caught. I guess it happens. So right off the right after the Ultimate Fighter season thirteen, Justin Edwards is kind of a fan favorite. He's from Mansfield, Ohio, which is kind of known for their high school football and. Um, you get caught in a guillotine right away. Yeah. Another fight, that I, another fight that I want back. <laughs> that, uh, that's probably definitely the worst guy that I, I feel like that I've ever lost to. Uh, you know, on my on my record, I, I don't see how that guy really beats me. But caught me in a good guillotine. And I knew that coming in, too. And I like we watched him. We're like, oh, he has a good guillotine. And then, uh, I put my head in there and got caught in the guillotine. <laughs> Wasn't very smart. You know, the Did one you... thing that stands out about that fight is Nick Gamst is the referee. Who is Nick Gamst? Oh, really? I didn't even know that. Yeah, yeah. Nick Gamst Dang. is the referee who you fought for several times. Yeah, he didn't um, really like me though. <laughs> <laughs> He, he didn't. Probably, he was probably happy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He didn't really like me. That's crazy. I didn't even know that he was the referee. What was the uh, the, the the issue between the two of you? Oh, we didn't really have an issue. He, I just felt like he didn't like me. I, I was more friends with uh, the other guy. So he, there was partners, Nick, Gantz, Jeff Paul. And then, yeah, Jeff Paul. That was my guy. You know, I just. I had a good relationship with uh, Jeff Paul. I, I, I just think Nick Gantz didn't really like me. He thought I was a cocky kid that wanted too much money or something. I don't know. They didn't pay me very well. I don't know why he didn't like me. 
<laughs> so, so let me just kind of come. Making, I was only making like fifteen hundred dollars to fight. Shit. <laughs> so let me come full circle on this, so every, everyone can get caught up. Nick Gamst is the same promoter that did a tournament where Nick Thompson was in in our past interview. And Nick Thompson said, yeah, well, they didn't do the paperwork, so they moved the cage to the alley. I fought next to a dumpster, <clears throat> and they tried yeah. to pay me in a boat instead of money. That's the same promoter. Oh, okay, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> See, I was cool with, with Jeff. Jeff was my duty, always took care of me, was super nice to me. And, uh, you know, that's just who I, I bonded with. I didn't really like Nick. Yeah, let me ask you too now. Trying to get back on track here, you just you said you wanted the Mike Pyle. You, you know, you got caught with a punch. You got caught with a submission. At this point, and you've got a lot of fights. Obviously, a fifty Fight Club member. Fifty stuff. Fight Club member. Are, are you starting to think? Are you starting to feel a little slower, or like it, like some miles are are, are starting to show, or or not yet? How are uh. you holding up? Well, with the punch, you know, I like a little bit. I'm like, man, like, I don't know how I got knocked out by that punch. Like, that shouldn't have knocked me out. Like, so I, I don't know. I'm maybe, you know, obviously every time that you get punched, that's going to take a wear and tear on your body. And, uh, you know, but with the submission, I mean, I just got caught. Like, you can get caught and, like <laughs> – if the guillotine sunk in, you aren't getting out. So, do you do you think maybe you like um, not look past him, but you thought, man, I beat the champs from the Ultimate Fight. The, the, this guy's yeah. not on my level. This is gonna be an easy yeah. fight. Do you think you just look past him? Definitely with Justin Edwards, not with Mike Pyle. I definitely trained hard and was like ready with uh, um, what Justin. Justin, yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, man, I definitely looked past him. I, I, like, was not motivated for that fight. I thought I was just going to run through him. And, you know, that's what happens. You have to take everyone serious. If you don't, then man, you get beat by anyone. We've all had fights like that, man. It's just so, like, when you don't take these people that serious, they're trying to build their name off you, bro. And all yeah, of a sudden, exactly. like, it, you have to be 100% focused every time. And you give it that much. Yeah. I've had the hell of like, shit, you know, like, I, I guess I'm not as good as I thought I was. Yeah, exactly. It humbles you like, oh, man. Uh, I, yeah, that, that was definitely a man. I was like embarrassed of uh, the Justin Edwards fight. Yeah. And uh, I'm like, and that was pretty close to my hometown. It was in Minneapolis, you know, it's only three and a half hours away. I had a lot of people that came up and watched that fight. And then, it's like, yeah, it was horrible. I remember your, like, was it your last uh, fight in UFC? Didn't you have, like, a retirement fight in your hometown? Man, no, it was, uh, I fought there, like, uh, two fights before. My retirement oh, was in my hometown, but then I, my last fight was in Milwaukee, which is pretty close. You know, it's only about four hours away, so it was nice. Yeah, I remember when you fought in your like in your hometown and stuff. That was cool. Yeah, that, I got that's to how I that's how I'd want to go out. You know. Yeah, that would have been nice, but uh, I had a couple more after that. I, you know, I was happy how I got to go out there. I was close to home, and I got to be the main event, and I got to win. Oh, nice. It was nice, man. I got lucky, so. Yeah. So, so Josh, you've seen, obviously, I mean, you've, you've 
been in a ton of wars. You're a 50 Fight Club member, and you're the type of guy that likes to take punches in order to like see that window and go through it in order to, to give punches. And you've seen um, you've seen your friend, one of your really good friends, Spencer Fisher. Now he's been dealing with a lot of the the fights that he has taken. Um, how was your memory, or if you you know looked into um, testing or anything like that, just kind of make sure your everything is, is is working the way it's supposed to mentally. Oh, no, <laughs> no, I haven't looked into any of that. Have you thought about like psilocybin getting in some of those uh, studies? No, I don't really. I'm not the type of person that really goes to the doctor for anything. So, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, do you, I mean, do you, do you do you feel good? You feel all right? I mean, you're training yeah, right now, man. So you're killing. It looks like I feel fine. You know, I feel like everyone's. You know, I, it's a it's a contact sport. Like, uh, I hope that you know everyone feels good. It's, Spencer's uh situation sucks and everything, but it's like that's the that's the risk that we take going into the ring oh, yeah. or the cage or whatever, you know. So agreed. Excellent. Well, you had uh, you had one more UFC fight, Court McGee, who was the Ultimate Fighter eleven, season eleven winner at one eighty five, and. Um, it was hard to watch, you know, as a fan of yours. It just it seemed like you had an off night that night. Yeah, yeah. I uh you know, I was I was ready for that fight, I was trained up and ready to go. He just like outworked he just outworked me in that fight, you know, he's just better. And you know, at that time he was on a run because he just beat uh didn't he just beat um Robert Whitaker right before that too, or maybe two fights before that or something. He did, and against yourself, and, and like, let's put this in a proper perspective, he broke the UFC significant strike record previously held by Nick Diaz against oh, Josh. Really? Oh, yeah. Damn, yeah. Yeah, he was throwing a lot of punches. Like, I remember going to a farm, like, dude, like, you don't normally fight like this. <laughs> I don't know. He must have trained hard and, like, <laughs> Uh, maybe that was his first EPO experience. It's, that's what I was gonna say. <laughs> like, it, you know, Josh, we we have on the as Miguel said, his I'm gonna steal his his phrase. There's a lot of boxes people check, and I'm watching this and I'm like, there's like 300 punches thrown to like five or six on your side in one of the rounds. I'm like, this guy's on EPO. He's not even close to breathing hard. Not even close to gassing out. And you're you're one of those pressure, 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 pressure guys, and you're yeah. running into somebody that just just got a full gas tank. Yeah, he turned into Nick Diaz that night. Yeah, exactly. He must have must have watched the Nick Diaz fight. Shit. Hey, no. I can watch that shit, but I can't do it unless you know, I think some chemical enhancement might help. Just my theory, by the way. Yeah. So I'm done. Wait. I mean, man, I got to tell you, I totally appreciate you being here for a lot of reasons, but my main one is, you know, you're the kind of guy that I like as a fighter. You're the epitome of what it is. Like, I, I'm a huge Keith Wozniewski fan, just a grinder, a tough-ass guy. I'm Midwestern hard worker, which is what I feel like I am. And I just, those are real fighters to me. I like, I, I would rather watch people like you and me and those guys all day long than a fast, flashy guy who, 
I don't know. I wasn't born with the greatest athletic skill. And I just worked my ass off like you do. I'm a grinder, dude. And, and I, that's my favorite yeah. thing. And I and just old school guys, they ain't like us anymore, man. So thank you for being here. And thank you for your career, man. I absolutely love it. I got one more. So Mike Estes, <laughs> North Iowa Fights, has about a few weeks ago. I did the color commentary for it. And Randy Spence and Nate Diaz fly to Iowa to do – uh, like a meet and greet and seminar. I, how how did that go for these California guys seeing like this flat, you know, cow ridden, crop ridden, uh, I, <laughs> Northern Iowa? There's nothing there. How, yeah. how did that wind up? Well, Des Moines, there's more stuff. But Nate, Nate actually did, he did a seminar here twice. He did one right after the Conor McGregor two fight, too. Wow. Um, a month after Conor McGregor, too, he did a seminar at my gym uh, right after right after that fight. And then this is the second time that he's did the seminar here. Super so, yeah, cool. it, it, he, he came down. Des Moines is a little bit different than Mason City, man. We actually we we have some stuff to do here. <laughs> <laughs> we went out and had a good night the night before the seminar. I'll just say that. <laughs> I love it. In, in, in typical Diaz fashion, they had to do a second rules meeting because they weren't there for the first one. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Mm. yeah. I'm I like, you it. guys, like, well, we're waiting, we're waiting. I'm like, yeah, and you guys are going to be wait, keep waiting. They're going to come after the amateurs are done. Yeah, we had a <laughs> bunch of pros on a cart. Yeah, I know. Yeah. It was fun. It was good. And, you know, when, when Nate Diaz walked to the cage, the entire audience, like the guy just, he emotes, you know, as a champion. He's got like that, that championship type of energy to him. Yeah, for sure. It's crazy, like, how, how like, much of a celebrity they are, you know. It's, it's yeah. crazy. I always get mad at Nam, like, bro, you didn't text me back or you didn't call me back. He's like, you know, I'm busy like, one time I got into his car and you know you, how you plug it in and you have like your it pulls up your like missed calls and your yeah. um, text messages and stuff. And I looked at the screen and, and he had like 587 <laughs> uh, uh, text mess unread text messages and like 300 and some missed calls. And just this was just in one day. Uh, like, oh, that's probably why you don't uh, return my text or return my call sometimes. But I'm like, I don't really care about those guys. Just return my phone call when I call you. Hell, just finding the phone call would have been tough. Though. I ain't searching through a hundred to see who called yeah. me. Yeah. You, know? you got to change your number at that point. You got you to get two phones, a real phone. Yeah, he's had the same phone number since I – have been training out there and it's been like 10 years and he still has the same phone number i'm like bro like you're this huge celebrity and you have had the same phone number the whole time i think he probably just blocks people or something yeah. i i've never asked him but it's kind of crazy that he's never had a different phone number you gotta change your number and you gotta assume he probably has had it you know even through his beginning professional career so a lot of idiots probably have it going, oh, hey, great yeah. fight, dude. Great <laughs> job. Yeah. It's crazy. 
Well, I, yeah. you know, Josh, I, I want to thank you for not blocking me when I reached out for the interview. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But uh, we really want to thank you for your time. Like you, you mentioned, you don't do a lot of these. And, uh, you know, like everything you do, this was fucking very honest and very genuine. And I enjoyed yeah. it a great deal. My first time meeting you, too. So very, very much. Thank hey, you. True. Warrior. Real quick. Any, any plugs for your gym or anything you want to get out of here? Yeah, just Elite Edge, Elite Edge uh, Ankeny. Uh, come through if you want to train. We have jiu-jitsu, boxing, kickboxing, everything. So come through. And if you can get that Tiago Alves fight, I'll take that. I'll, I'll talk to him. I, I'll talk to the bare knuckle. I, hey, Chris. I don't know if I can talk to you. Tiago will take it, but the bare knuckle would love yeah. it. This might open up a Josh Neer pre-UFC interview. I think you should get that for him. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Cool. Excellent. Right. Thank you, bro. Well, hey, man, we thank you for your time and appreciate it, brother. And uh, good luck to you. And we'll hopefully see you again sometime soon. All right, for sure. See you guys. Hey, brother. Man, that was a great interview. Um, <laughs> man, I really like Josh. I, I always liked his style. Um, he's an old, he's he's a true fighter to me. I mean, you get a lot of people now fighting for a lot of different reasons and different motivations. That is a real guy, man. He just wants to come in and fight. He's still a fighter. You know, that is just who he is. And that is one thing that I think is lost from the old school guys and some of the newer guys. He's a, he, he's a fighter. Like I say, not the most athletic, not the most technical, but he he's a hard-nosed dude. I, I wouldn't want to see him in a, in a dark alley. You know what I mean? So yeah. great information, too. I mean, I love the old school scene, and he has all kinds of stuff. But, I mean, you, we basically went over his UFC. It, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, so, no, I, I, I sort of agree, too. You know, Chris, the bottom line is is, is – there are some guys who would be fighting under the bridge or by the dumpster if there was no money in this. And I think near, you know, Vanderly Silva, maybe, you know, so guys like that. And, and I think Josh near qualifies as one of those dudes. You know, on top of that, um, an interview like this doesn't exist. So it's a good get. And we had a couple people contact us through social media saying, you know, the indie scene's amazing, great stories, but we also want to get caught up on the UFC stuff. This is the one interview I was really torn with because Josh has got such an incredible indie grind is what we refer to it as. So, Chris, we're going to have to figure out how to get him for the indie grind because, you know, he, he's real short. Like, ah, there's a fucking train. I don't know, do you guys want to start over? Do you guys hear that? Just cut it out. Can you give me just keep going? Okay. Do you hear it? Barely. You? Oh shit, dude! It's it's like through my whole house. Okay. You hear me, Miguel? I mean, I kind of yeah. heard it. No, no, yeah. It, 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 I don't want to keep it, going, or don't yeah, start it's, over. It's it's not a showstopper as far as the recording. Keep going. Okay. So when an interview like this comes about, it's like I mean, you we're at a crossroads. Independent grind, UFC career, and then you look at his UFC career, and you're like, well, he's got both Diaz brothers. He's got Josh Berkman. He he's got all these high end, just incredibly exciting fights, and we're going to have to figure out how to get him back for the independent grind. And it's, it might, Chris, we might be putting this on your shoulders with the bare knuckle. Mike, Mike, you know what that means? Yeah. I was going to say this to me, sounds like something we need to do in person. I'd like to do it. I'd like to sit down with him in person. I mean, that's how we got to do near. I think. I agree. I agree. Excellent. Well, Hey guys, like share, subscribe. We're growing. We need your help without your help. We can't grow. And, uh, you know, thanks for joining us. I hope you guys enjoyed this interview as much as we did.